0: Well, hello, friends, and welcome once again to another episode of the 360 Experience Podcast with my special guest today, Sosi Avia. I have known Sosi now for about two and a half years. He is a terrific young man and somebody who has had great success in just six years of being in the mortgage business. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a variety of topics that I think are very noteworthy. Number one, Sosi has recently made a transition from being a mortgage banker to a mortgage broker, and we're gonna unpack the differences, which I think will be interesting for you to hear. Sosi is a um, great creator of content. Some of his Instagram reels have over 500,000 views, believe it or not. He has 20,000 followers, and we're gonna talk about how he goes about creating content and what gets engagement on social media. We're also gonna talk about what he's doing right now to get into realtors databases and to be able to present to them and the type of content he's presenting and why it's been so effective. We're gonna talk about confidence, how his confidence was impacted by the downturn in the market and the increase in interest rates and what he did to, um, to, to make his way through those choppy waters, not having ever been through a market like that before, of course, due to his, his uh, youth in the, in the industry. Um, and, and some of the ways that he had to deal with the self, um, self-deprecating self thoughts that he was having about himself during those tough times and how he's really focused on his knowledge of product and how to present to clients to use it as a strategic advantage. So this will be chock full of great information. Get ready to take some notes. Now, before we get to this conversation with Socie, I wanna remind you, please, to subscribe to the show if you haven't. Um, it's really, really important for us to have subscribers. If you like the episode, give us a like. If you have comments, please put them into YouTube and forward this on to anybody that you think would benefit from it. As always, this episode of the 360 Experience is sponsored by The Loan Atlas. if you've not checked out The Loan Atlas yet, I strongly encourage you to do so. I'm super excited about what we're creating there to help mortgage professionals go to the next level. And without further ado, My conversation with my friend, Sosi Avila.
1: What is up, young man? What's up, my friend? Happy New Year. Thanks. Happy New Year. Glad you and Allison.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you and Allison had a great time in Paris. First time going to that romantic city. I bet that was super fun for you guys.
1: That was a blast, absolute blast. She, uh, with the tough year, she and I both needed that like little refresh. Um, so I'm really grateful because actually, you're the reason I went, man. Like you taught me the tricks on the credit card points, and uh, that came in <laughs> clutch. So super grateful.
0: Yeah, before <laughs> before people get the wrong idea tricks being legal tricks uh nothing nothing shady just eh. the, the the proper <laughs> utilization of the american express membership rewards program can get you some sweet travel uh i'm glad that you're able to 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 leverage that that's awesome
1: yeah me too it was a huge blessing
0: so let's just give everybody a little bit of a background you know you um you how old are you first of all 31 years old
1: i am 34 i think oh, 34 shit. yeah you're I know. Old. I crept my, up on you. I'm trying to God. catch up, bro. You just keep going so fast.
0: Yeah, you are gaining on me for sure. Um, <laughs> so you've been in the business for how long? And, and tell us you know, what your best year was. Just to give us a little bit of a background, then we're going to just dive hard into teaching.
1: Yeah, let's do it. So uh, six years, uh, best year was almost uh, about 100 million. That's 94 mil. Um, and that was done on year four.
0: Yeah. So people that that say, wow, a guy's only been in the business six years and he's already had $100 a hundred million dollar year. I mean, it's it's no secret as to why. I mean, you're a tremendous teacher. I told you this on the uh, Leadership Three Hundred and Sixty Zoom call the other day that, you know, it's definitely your gift, your, your ability to present, mm-hmm. your ability to break down numbers and uh, and speak in front of agents and all those types of things. Um, I want to I want to start with what you've learned. So I'm going to take the the listener back here about uh, two and a half years ago we we're sitting in the backyard at my house in Southern California and the market was starting to turn and you and Eric Bible were a little bit worried and you started asking me some yeah. really good questions um, and over the course of you know that period of time since then um, you know we've had I say two and a half years ago I think I'm wrong there it's a year and a half ago almost two years I think ago it's a year was, and a half. okay so it was yeah. like spring of, of of 2022. And we all know what happened basically starting at about then and then going forward. And it's been a rough road for you. It's been humbling, I believe, like like it has been yeah. for so many. And yet at the same time, you're so devoted and a student of your craft. I'd love for you to share with the listeners, you know, having never been through a market like the one that we are hopefully exiting out of here real soon, because I think we are. Um, what have you learned and what, what have you gained in the way of wisdom? Uh, at your young age, having gone through what you've gone through.
1: Yeah. Going back to that backyard experience, right. Uh, I'll say the first thing has been that one, of one of the secrets of quote unquote, my success, my growth, whether it's been in the previous occupations and vocations I had or the current career I established, um, it's always been this principle that, uh, I got from Bible college. I've grew up in a fundamentalist Christian environment, and I remember when I first went to Bible college, there was this concept that was an argument. Should you should you use biblical commentaries or not was the whole debate. Um, and so I was a little perplexed on it. And so I remember I went to one of my professors, and my professor said, look, this is the way I view it. If your goal is to try to see this greatest depths of God or whatever somebody would interpret, right, the goal of a commentary is – to stand on the feet of somebody else who already, or stand on the shoulders of somebody who already tried to do that. And by standing on their shoulders, you're peeking a little further than they did, right? so that same subject matter, i.e. in this example, it's God. And so I've taken that principle really throughout every aspect of my life. And with you guys in the backyard, it was very important to me to figure out from you, hey, I've never done this before. I'm about to experience this. I'm scared out of my freaking mind. Um, what the heck did you guys learn and how do I stand on your wisdom to try to learn those lessons a little deeper, um, and hopefully a little further so I can pass it on to the next guy. So my first principle is always in the midst of any new change, any new experience, never lean on just what you'll be able to pioneer because there's just nothing new. Right. And I hope we get into that discussion because the more I've analyzed your business, Tim, the more I go, holy crap, a lot of what I'm doing is modernized versions of what you did. And so I love learning from you. I love being able to see what you've established. And I love learning that lesson that, Hey, I'm going into a new world that I've never experienced, but my buddies here had. So let me learn from them as much as I can and grow. Um, because the other thing that it taught me was you and Dave Gallegos, right. My two older buddies, um, I remember six months before Dave Gallegos was telling me, he goes, man, the market can just shift. What you need to do is save and you need to have like X amount of hundreds of thousands of dollars and all this stuff in my mind. I was like, man, this guy is like way out of it. Like, come on. Nothing can change so drastically that it goes from like feast to famine with like overnight switches. And so I just thought, okay, cool. Like it's going to be okay to just kind of do what I'm doing and then pivot as you know, time allows, and then it'll shrink trickle out. And then you just prepare ahead of time because no one's stupid enough to see the right on the wall and not make changes quickly enough. And so when it all happened to answer your question fully, what I learned was the old guys were right. This industry can change literally in a moment's notice. And two, lean on your older buddies, ask them what they did. And then use that as a foundational wisdom for how you're going to operate from there. Because what you guys told me that day, what you told me about the hustle, what you told me about blocking, tackling, what you told me about going back to the basics, letting go of the ego and trying to do the sexy roles of just team lead and coming back to how do you originate? How do you have more conversations? How do you create more leads? That was what I leaned into because of the guidance and wisdom I got from you guys. And that's what made me have a really good year. Um, you know in a challenging market you Hope know I answered your question
0: yeah yeah no we're going to continue down this road a little bit here because you always give me shit about being such an old guy which is i know that it's in fun but i know that there's some seriousness too as well because you like to give me shit.
1: a lot of endearment
0: yes yes i take it <laughs> i take it as a compliment um but it's interesting like um we go through these phases in life like if if you think i mean you're a father so mm. prior to having yeah. You know, children, you you, you heard from people that had, you know, come before you, whose, whose shoulders you could, you know, rest upon and look down the road a little bit further, as you mentioned, you heard all these cliches, like, get your sleep now, and you're never going to love somebody more than you love your kid, and your life's going to change forever, your routine's going to get mm. destroyed, blah, blah, blah. And when we're hearing those things, we, we kind of brush them off as, oh, yeah, well, that's our experience. My experience will be different. And... Life has stages to it and you can't possibly know what that stage that you're about to enter into is really about until you go through it. You know, like I look at my mom right now, she's 81 years old, God bless her. And I'm seeing her really slow down and I'm seeing her become forgetful Mm -hmm. and I'm seeing her not be able to walk downstairs very well. And I think about it a lot. I'm like, that's going to be me hopefully, God willing, that will be me in, you know, 25 years. And I don't know what it's like to not be able to move and breathe and sleep um, as fluidly as I, I do right now. And I, I think that that's such a, an important lesson to learn in life, bro, and and in business, right? So there's no way, I told you this, if you remember in the backyard that day, I told all you, you folks that were you know younger in the business like you and bible i said this will make you a better loan officer this this is the kind of a market that either cripples people and has them exiting from the industry or this makes someone a real loan originator because when you can go through the market like we've just gone through and come out of it on the other end you're twice the originator that you were before because of your yeah your ability to to focus your ability to persevere because of the things that you learn and i'm glad that you brought up the ego part i think that's really important because you know you had a, a hockey stick early career like first four years mm-hmm. in the business i mean you're just like on a on a continual ascent to superstardom but you had never gone through the other market that's always there in every cycle so now you've been through it what are a few things specifically that you've implemented in the last say 18 months that have been successful for you that have resulted in you either building more relationships or getting more loans
1: yeah that's a good question actually um so a few things uh, the first is morning routine right and it it's what so many people talk about and until you experience it for yourself there's really no way to truly describe how impactful it could be And so my morning routine continued to just develop from just disciplines of set aside time. Um, Yeah, I was listening to one of the other trainings you did. And I remember, um, I think it was Josh Metal talking through Dr. Joe Dispenza's 98% on the atom is about energy and 2% is about matter, if I'm quoting that correctly. It's and so nine, even just looking back at my year.
0: It's 99.5% is is energy and, and only half percent is matter. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's like almost none of it's matter. Keep going. Yeah.
1: This year, as I look back, I go, the, I started off focusing on energy a slight more. And as the year progressed, I see my morning routine as evolved where by the end of the year, it was focused on energy a lot more. And even things that are kind of not the typical pieces, right? Like one of the things I love starting my mornings off of is I have a, a group of the L360 guys that we wake up at 530 every morning. We turn on the camera not to talk, not to chit chat, not to hang out. But to go, you awake, you awake, you awake, what are you working on this morning? And we spent about an hour and 15 minutes dedicated to just getting work done. For me, that's been a big relief because now I'm emptying myself of all the stress that I probably slept with. I'm getting all my crap done and I go, cool. I'm going to go focus on the other things because I've released that aspect. I'm going to go do my meditations, my readings, my journaling, my, um, my workouts. And I just have the flexibility there. And so for me personally, with where I'm at in this stage of life, it's been very fulfilling to now be in a place where I dedicate morning shift, enjoy routine, and then get back to the grind right after. Um, it's been really sweet. Yeah, yeah, let's let's talk about this a little more. This is a really important point that you're
0: making that I really want the listener to, to to get their head around. So what I'm hearing you say is that you're starting your day off at five, five fifteen in the morning and you have a specific business related activity that you want that you've deemed to be important and that you wanna yeah. knock off first thing. And this is yep. a, I did a presentation, you weren't in Park City in, in the fall, but I did a presentation on this. And this was one of the tips in the presentation was, now it wasn't mm. before your morning routine, although I think this is a brilliant idea on your part, which is the night before, select one thing that will mm. move the needle for you in your business. What is that? It could be, I'm gonna call five past clients. Now you're not gonna call them at five in the morning, okay? Unless they're on a different time zone, but um, I'm going to, you know, create scripts for my, you know, social media marketing reels. I'm going to um, really organize my day and plan it out and work on, you know, a marketing document to CPAs because it's taxis and mm. whatever it is, you can come up with a whole long list of things. The point is, is before you turn the outside world on and let it in to your life and let it attack and consume your energy, you're going to get one really important thing done to start your day. So if nothing else, you can look back on that day and go, this day was successful because I got that done. And that's, that's really important. And then I want to just add that. I love the fact that you're doing it with accountability, with partners, with, 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 with people that you've formed a group with. So huge takeaway there, huge takeaway, anything else that you've done, you talked about your morning routine. What have you implemented in the last say year or so that that has been successful for you?
1: Um, diversity of lead sources and, uh, d- diversity of presentations, Yeah, right? talk right? So that. I'll dive into the lead sources first. Uh, m- one of the inner hurdles that I had, right. One of the inner hurdles that I had of going into other types of products was an insecurity because, you know, I grew up really quick in the mortgage industry. I, I literally went from being a pastor to doing marketing for six months. Having nothing to do with the loan, but just focused on creating agent relationships between loan officers. I remember this. Can can I say colorful words here, Tim? I don't know why you wouldn't be able to. I do sometimes. Go ahead, dude. I remember this douchebag loan officer that came in. Right, he's like five four, Napoleon complex, um, and like he just wanted to like show off everything. And he started talking to me about like how his BMW broke down, and you know how BMWs are. And he went into all those pieces. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, like, dude, I drive a Prius, right? Like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no social radar here at all. And so that being the case, I remember specifically with him, I thought to myself, I'm working so hard to connect realtors with this guy, and I don't know what the heck he's doing afterwards. And so it pushed me to this place where I... I looked at it and I said, I got to dive in. Now you were so I literally went-
0: Sorry, this guy is a loan originator and you were working hard to tee him up with realtor relationships. That's what you're saying? Exactly. Okay, keep going. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, So working hard to get him with realtor relationships, right, doing all that stuff. Um, And when I saw that, what his value was, right, it just pushed me to this place where I was like, okay, I should do it. But context for that, and the reason I say this story is to show I literally did not do one loan. I didn't even have a freaking car loan till like two months before I spoke with the guy. So to then go straight into mortgage from zero to 60, I went straight into retail. I saw him do that. I said, screw it. If he could do it, I could do it. I got my license 30 days later. I went to the branch manager. I said, will you hire me as an independent loan officer? He goes, you're going to be self-sourced. I was like, I don't know what that means, but yeah, sure. And then I just started calling and I started generating leads. And after I generated leads, I'd like have a discovery call. And then I'd go to my mentor and I'd be like, so this is what they said. He'd be like, did you ask this? I'm like, no, give me a second. And I just went back and forth like an idiot. Right. And so in that turn time, like I literally had to learn the industry so stinking fast that I had this insecurity Um, because with the mentorships that I had, I never had an institution as you've shared that taught me soup to nuts, how to actually be a loan officer. I just learned how to generate business. And in the environments I was with, I started leaning on ops people to be my underwriters and my pre-approvers and all these things that even in the first part of my career, I never really calculated income. And so in this year of seeing everything shift, all of a sudden I was in this position where I was like, if I diversify types of loans, right? And I diversify into the non-QM, if I diversify into other type of products, more jumbo, all this stuff. Here was a question that I'd asked myself, Tim, which I actually didn't even realize I was asking myself. I'd ask myself, do I believe I'm smart enough to actually learn this on the go and serve these clients well? And so I had to push myself to learn how to do loan types that I was super insecure to do, and I'm very grateful I did it because they're not that complex, <laughs> for one. It was an inner hurdle that I just had to get over because I already knew how to do loans. Um and it created a really great avenue for me where I've done a really good amount of non-QM business now. I've been able to tackle any type of loan without fear. Um, and that's drawn more business to me just because of my confidence of knowing I can get this stuff handled. So that's the first uh, diversification
0: to talk through. Let me comment because you're bringing up another phenomenal point here that I want everybody to really understand. And I'm going to deepen it. So most people start in this business when it's good i mean that's why you got into it right i mean very there are people out there who got in the business in you know oh eight or something like that but not not that many most people got into the business in 05 when it was booming or 2021 when it was booming or you know the good years and the teens of 2015 16 17 etc but it, there's usually fruitfulness to the business when you get in the yeah. biggest problem that can happen is it can come too easy because when it comes to easy, you, you get a false sense of security that, wow, this is just like the easiest job in the world. Like, I mean, I just sell a 30 and a 15 year fixed and uh, maybe an occasional seven, one arm if that's available in the marketplace and it makes some sense. And you know, there's, there's, there's loans, you know, leads that are plentiful, et cetera. When the market turns, Mm -hmm. is when you need to become a real student of your craft and this is what i refer to as essential knowledge and you go back to the loan toolbox days this was the foundational level of the pyramid of a complete loan officer and now with loan atlas it is the foundational level of the ascent to the peak of the mountain and why is it the foundational level well it's the foundational level for a lot of reasons number one if you know product if you understand the market if you know how to get tough loans done it opens, it's like the key that unlocks the door to a relationship in many cases. My career is checkered with stories about significant relationships that would have never happened if I didn't know how to do a tough loan, if I didn't know how to qualify a tough income structure, if I didn't know how to get someone's credit score approved, if I didn't know a product that very few people knew. And because I was able to get that loan done, boom, whole new relationship that spawns tons of deals in the future, but it's deeper than that, bro. And here's why, because at the end of the day, the product is you. And you're you're hitting on something so incredibly important here, right? So you were dealing with some second guessing internally and then some insecurities, right? So the best salespeople are the people that have the most confidence and certainty in their product. In this business, that means the best loan originators are the ones who have the most confidence and certainty in themselves. But deep down inside, you know when you don't know shit. You know if you're not really that good. And that's where call reluctance comes from. Mm -hmm. So early in your career, when you're like, ah, man, I don't know, like, I only really know a couple of products. and I don't have a lot of diversity in lenders. And I want to get into the fact that you're a broker now and talk to you a little bit about that, because that actually opens up some doors to other products, which I think is super important to talk about. So we'll go there in a second. It's been pretty fun. But once you start to become a master of the diversity of the product at your disposal and you know how to get tough loans done, all of a sudden you have swagger, man. Like you're like yeah i mean give me anything yeah. you got I'll, I'll get it done that's a totally different sell, product that you're selling in you now you're selling something yeah. that you really believe in you take a guy like mike trejo okay who's also a broker and if you guys haven't connected you guys should be talking i mean mike trejo blows my mind really as to great. how knowledgeable he is about product bro he's so knowledgeable mm-hmm. so um what You've made this transition from being a mortgage banker to being a mortgage
1: broker. Can I fill with- something there for you real quick, Tim? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I really love that you're pointing that out, right? Because I, I, I believe you're a thousand percent correct. The knowledge of the product is going to be so impactful. I'm very grateful for me that I had a good amount of knowledge of the product or most of the products, but I know what I spent my time as a student because I'm going to be a student no matter what. Right. And so in the first part of my career, yeah, I wasn't a student of every single product, but what I became a student of was financial implications, call it financial planning through real estate finance, right? Like that's what I was a hundred percent focused on. And so because I was a hundred percent focused on that, somebody who can come in and tout like, Hey, I know about the product. No one underwrites loans better than me. I've never been intimidated by that guy. Cause I'm like, great. I'll pay somebody to underwrite it for me, and then I'll out-advise the hell out of you because I know what is step two, three, and four for this person. You're just trying to help them step one. And so it's been a really neat experience for me this year to now be able to have the confidence on both ends of that foundational table, right? Like not only do I know I can out-advise, but I also know I can definitely out-learn or out out guide in the first initial step now too especially with the new suite of services and different resources that i have so i i don't know what your thoughts are on that but i couldn't help but throw that out there
0: no it's it, it goes to i know that you recently listened to the episode um with with uh dave gallegos okay and dave and oh, I, t- and, yeah, it was a great episode he was wonderful and and one of the things you know that dave and i talked about was was this exact subject matter i mean If you were paid, if if you were hired, let's take a step back for a second on this. Like this is what makes this job really strange is that if I hired you out of the gate and I said, hey, I'm paying you per hour. And in order for you to keep this job, one of the things that you need to do is study underwriting guidelines, understand how to read tax returns, know the credit scoring model, and know a vast array of product offering, you would do it to keep your job. Yeah. And a year from now or six months from now, you would be extremely knowledgeable. And that knowledge would lead to you having confidence in yourself. But the problem is, again, most originators get into the business and their sole focus needs to be trying to get deals in the door. They focus on sales, but they don't focus on knowledge and i think that that's a really beautiful yeah. gift that the last year and a half has given you is that it's forced you to go back to the basics and that's why i say you're a way better loan originator now than you were a year and a half ago because of this Agreed. this ability to 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 know various products and how to structure deals so what's the transition been like for you to be a, become a broker i'm i'm curious how it's been we haven't had a chance to talk very much about this
1: yeah i mean my personal transition was just like crazy, uh, because, you know, I, I, I came to a point in my career where, um, I ended up transitioning over to be a partner at a brokerage and in that new brokerage that I went to go be a partner at, um, we, for multiple reasons, uh, but one of the reasons was our growth and our national reach because of what we do from a lead gen standpoint on a social media direct to consumer, um, we outgrew our, our shoes too fast and we needed to make a shift. And so not only did I transfer from retail to broker, but literally with about 45 days later, we transferred from individual broker to become a DBA of the number fifth largest brokerage in the country and the number one for Rocket Mortgage as a partner. And so we we literally, it was two transitions within the last 90 days. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been a journey with some hurdles and a lot of challenges. I'm like going to sleep tired with a smile and I'm waking up with a lot on my plate with joy and I'm creating and I'm innovating. And with this partnership that we've created, we're in charge of trying to make sure that we lead uh, a lot of what the new modern process is going to be like. So the client experience that my pastoral heart has always carried with me is continuing to come here. The fact that my first year in the industry, I remember listening to a mortgage coach video with this guy named Tim Brahim, who I'd never heard of in my life. And he kept talking about some perfect loan thing. And he talked about how like at the loan approval, he sent cookies and all this stuff. And I remember I was so attracted to it, Tim. I was like, this is what I need to do. So all of a sudden I started building that out. And then when I met Rand Grant, like a year and a half later, I was like, oh, you did what I'm trying to do. You're like three years ahead. Why would we not join forces? <laughs> and so- it's been really neat to see these stages of life where this desire to give the client an experience that's going to be monumental in the moment, but also be pivotable, pivotal for their future has been crucial. And so coming here, I'm in this position where I get to just play. I get to help create systems and. Oversee all these other components and ensure that the client experience is going well and be able to provide a sales team that gets trained from a holistic perspective of giving advice to a client so they don't get ripped off across the country. Um, yeah, I can go on. So I better stop because I'll just keep talking for five minute minutes. But if you well, can't see the excitement,
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm stoked that you're excited. And and your your answer is focused on your ability to have some freedom to create and have a little bit of a blank canvas. I'd like you to answer the question now from a little different perspective which is let's let's put ourselves in the shoes of those that are listening to this conversation and some are brokers and some are bankers and you know there's always this um there's always this assumption of what being the other is like but but you actually can speak from firsthand experience so now having become a broker from being a banker if an originator said to you, "Hey, what do you like about being a broker, and what do you miss about being a banker?" What would your answer be?
1: I like the I like the fact that the cost of manufacturing can be so much lower on the broker side, therefore being able to enable you to give you know savings and even more profitability to you um as as the spearhead uh loan officer um i I like the fact that you just have such flexibility with products and you don't have to be uh held into one uh bank's kind of guidance or box um, because every bank has some type of restriction whether it's They don't let you float down more than um, if it's not at least a quarter or they don't let you do X, Y, Z, right? There's always some type of restriction. And so I like all those components of flexibility from the production side. Um, and what you probably heard a lot too, is just the excitement from being at this leadership level. So that's not, Mm -hmm. that shouldn't, it's not fair to say that's equated to being a broker, right? That's just equated to being at the level of leadership that I'm at here. Yes. Uh, But the broker piece, those, those parts I'm very excited about. Um, what I miss is having an aspect where when you do need something rushed, like super, super crazy even though you can do it on the broker side and, and and I've experienced it already, it's just easier to do when everything's in house and the underwriters are part of the payroll, right? Like that's, there's always a difference there. It's, it's a difference between calling in a favor and, you know, trying to streamline a process. Um, that's the thing I miss, um, aside from just people, right? Like I think in every season of life we make friendships and you miss those, but, um, as far as just the infrastructure for the listener of, of broker and 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 retail banker, um, those would be the biggest pieces. Uh, we're in a very unique situation because we have many core lines as well. So, as far as you know, margins and and differences outside of just a regular broker agreement, we kind of have best of both worlds. So I don't miss that on the pricing piece because I feel satisfied there. But. Um, let me know if that answers your question.
0: No, it does a great job of answering the question. And you know, I tell—I was having a coaching call earlier this week with a client who is working for a mortgage banking company and always has and is thinking about making the move to broker. And and I said to him, I said, you know, look, here's the reality. I have a biased perspective because I was never anything but a broker. Um, yeah. So I don't even—I don't even know what it's like to be a banker. Number one, and I loved being a broker, but. I loved being a broker because I am an entrepreneur. Like I don't like to work for anyone. I want to create my own destiny. So being a broker does require you, to your point, to have some real real desire for autonomy. Um, And, and, you know, there are certainly benefits to being a banker when it comes to, as you said, having the underwriter in-house and all of that. That can be mitigated. To some great yep. degree by volume so yep. you know i used to have these originators that worked for me they were a great team two two ladies they they'd fund 15 to 20 loans a month you know which you know steady for years and years and years but those 15 to 20 loans would go to like 11 different lenders and they mm-hmm. never had any pull with any of those lenders because they were just, just they were chasing an eighth in rate or an eighth in fee in some cases to You know, versus looking at it from a bigger picture perspective, which I sent everything that I could to Countrywide. This was back in the day. But I also sent a lot of loans to Citibank and a lot of loans to Washington Mutual. But I only only used like four lenders. And the reason I only used four lenders with the, you know, 50 or 60 a month that I was closing was because I wanted to have clout with those four lenders. Like yeah. if I'm funding $3, 4000000 million a month minimum with each of them, I can pick up the phone and say, hey, I need a favor here. This is an important realtor relationship. I need you to rush this, put it at the top of the stack and get it under it. And they would give me that because I represented a lot of volume to them. So I think that that's a key thing for people to understand in, in the event that they're trying to make that transition is that it could get really seductive as a broker to have your, you know, 14 different rate sheets that you get to look at and you're like a kid in a candy store it's almost like going to the cheesecake factory and looking at their menu and you're like "Shit, i don't know what to order there's like too many it's like a whole yellow pages book here that i'm looking at of of, of different dishes yeah you got to stay focused and and really pool your volume to as few lenders as possible so you have that pull yeah um anything Tim else i gotta you throw there? out real quick
1: yeah yeah i was just gonna add just so you, for our listeners who are just a little younger than me rate sheets, it's what people used to use, be able to see what rates they'd have. And they did like yeah. columns, like the multiplication table to figure out what the rates were. I literally, I think I was, I joined the industry the last year, they were popular. Um, so I'm throwing that out there, not as a joke, but like legit for the listeners. <laughs> don't know. Cause yeah, I talked no to some of these lot. new and so they don't have no clue what that blue is. blue
0: or anything like that back
1: then. <laughs> or it poly or anything. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, No, the only thing I would, I would add is you know that was one of my fears like i had to because of what my insecurities were right like going broker was scary because i was like can i really do it am i very am i smart enough do i know enough can i get this stuff done it's wild wild west like all these components right and i'm also you know a very high eye i'm like i love the group am i gonna miss this am i willing to sever for this am i we're going to be okay where I'm not going to have this type of bigger family. And I'll tell you, I I mean, one, it's been a really good opportunity for me to grow up as a loan officer. And I'm grateful for that gift. The other gift has been being a good human on this side and continue to be a good human. Bro, so many cool doors have opened with like big leadership of some of these companies. Like I have... I can call the leader of, of Rocket Mortgage TPO, uh, Mike Fawaz, who was on my podcast a little while ago too. I can call him friend. I have his cell phone number. We're like, connecting each other with friends and videoing each other and all this stuff. And I've sent gratitude videos to an underwriter who helped me get a VA loan done in 11 business days that had 139 conditions. And I sent a video out going, you just helped this veteran's family finally accomplish their dreams of living by the beach who they worked so hard to do, blah, blah, blah. And then that video gets shared throughout the whole company, right? And then you have the top leaders of that company coming back to you going, you just made us, rem- you just helped us remember or remind our staff why we do this. And in a moment, in a year that's been so hard, remembering that from one of our broker partners has been such an encouragement. Thank you for that. Right. Like it's really been a neat experience to take a step and go. And what I do want to preface this, this isn't like a pitch, right, for broker or anything like that, because I do believe uh, a statement that I was telling some of my buddies. They were like, Oh, are you going to be like, brokers are better now? I'm like, Look, people can say brokers are better, bankers are better. The reality is, you're the best. It's you. If you know you're the best, you'll find whatever tools and resources and platforms fit your skill set best for you to help the client in the best way, and that's what's important. Um, so I can't help but just tie that up there at the end. Um, but yeah, for me personally, it's been a really cool experience to see that my fears were not met. Knock on wood.
0: Well, you know, it's whenever whenever we are experiencing fear, which I do a lot in my life personally for a variety of different reasons is it's always important to remind ourselves: Oh, I'm in fear. That must mean that Mm. this is the opportunity for the most growth, right? Like this is, this is, this is where I have a chance to grow because that fear that I have is holding me back from growth. If I can push through it and overcome it, I become a better human, a better business person, et cetera. Now, you know, I, I love what you said there. I want to transition to you, you talked about video, and the next topic that I want to talk about is what you're doing to market yourself. I'm going to give you a broad net yeah. to play in, right? Because you do a lot of different things. You you present in person in front of agents. You um, you know, you you do a lot of social media work, etc. But I, I just don't want to skip over something you said that that's really important. That was a smart thing you did that everybody should be taking a note of you know underwriters are human beings closing agents are human beings doc drawers are human beings and they actually have very thankless jobs in most cases yeah. they have very little interaction with the consumer in the case case of a closing agent oftentimes it's a very stressful experience when they're signing loan documents for you to reach out and thank them and to give purpose and meaning to the work that they do is smart business and if you think for a second that they're not going to remember that you're wrong they're going to remember it and listen again they're human beings I know this to be fact because I talked to some yeah. underwriters about this you get an underwriter who's sitting there and it's four thirty in the <laughs> afternoon and they want to get out of there and get home with their family and have dinner and they got a couple of files to underwrite and they're looking at yours and they're looking at somebody else's and you package clean files consistently and you show gratitude yeah. consistently and your team is enjoyable to work with consistently, whose file are they gonna underwrite before they go home? Yours, because they're human. Yeah. So the 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 need to have connection and develop relationships, especially when you're a broker. So, but but even if you're working in a mortgage banking operation, it's the same thing, but it's enhanced when you're a broker because you're not seeing the person on a daily basis. It's a super smart move. So let's, let's talk about marketing. Um, It's a big topic. It's one that I think that you're incredibly skilled to talk about. Um, Tell us about some of the things. You're welcome. Tell us about some of the things that you're doing with marketing
1: right now. Do you, do you should we break up into categories and dive one in dive into each one separately, or do you want me to kind of do a overlap of all the categories I could think of?
0: Whatever's most comfortable for you, man. Why don't we start with what are you doing to market yourself to real estate agents?
1: Uh, real estate agents. Um, and,
0: and, or alternative sources of referral business, because you mentioned that you've diversified that this year. So it'd be noteworthy to talk about that.
1: Yeah. And out of state, that was going to be the, the other part of diversifying that I was going to talk about is going out of state as well. And so overall being able to have, um, social media has been a very big fundamental piece for me in in marketing. One of the major reasons is because it is the easiest way to have a passive salesperson that speaks like you, sells like you, cares like you, communicates like you and works more hours than you do right like social media is that perfect passive prospector who's continually giving the pitch that you give just like you give it because it's you on video right? The person watching you at 1 a.m., they're watching you and your pitch and your care and all the genuine things that come out of your mouth, right? So I've really loved it because I first intended to have my social media be something focused just for the consumer. So my avatar was a female between the ages of 28 and 34, right? I'm not saying this is the only client I serve, but when I was making content, I made content for this individual, and it was one of two ladies, one who is a single individual who's been super successful in her own right, and she has a little nest egg, and she's trying to identify, should I buy my first property or should I wait for my partner and buy it then? That was my perfect conversation to have. The other was the one who was married, and the husband didn't want to speak yet, and he didn't want to do anything until he was absolutely ready to place an offer. But she's the student. She's the one who's trying to uh, think through things further ahead, and she has a prudence gift. Those two were my avatars because those two were the fastest to ask questions. And the key that people miss in social media, right, is that they define the success of social media to be the equivalence of a newspaper ad or a mailer or some type of different direct consumer world. The beautiful thing about social media slash business media, how Dave Gallego so magically said, is it's, it is both mixed in. You're using a social environment that's supposed to create community, right? You use content to create a community. And in that community, you create conversations. And those conversations turn into conversions. You have to create ecosystems that create all four of those if you're going to be successful there. And so I say all this because this has been the fundamental piece for me. Surprisingly, as I focus on the consumer and I saw realtors, try to focus on the same consumer I'm focused on, guess what it did? Hey, Sosie, can you teach me more about this? When I did, when I did presentations or whatnot, right? Hey, I want to come and learn. Hey, you're having those clients generated. I want to come learn how you're doing that. And so it's been this really neat thing because now at this point, right? Like, especially when you look at the community aspect and you look at how many views people have, you know, we have a good hit on our videos, on my videos, on my channel, my company, has a really great reach with a lot of great community aspects, which have been amazing. But long story short, the 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 flag that I wanna kind of put there in the conversation of creating these communities that actually have conversions is the fact, to answer your question, how do you go chase agents? It's been really easy. It's been literally a DM, an invite to an agent webinar, or they're reaching out to you, signing up for your newsletters, coming out to you, asking you for help, Um, And you're just trying to filter out which ones to spend time with. Uh, That's just on the social side. Uh, To answer your question uh, in the other fundamental pieces, because to your wisdom, right, I didn't just focus on new. I also focused on – I didn't focus just on old patterns and new new fundamentals uh, or new platforms. I focused on old patterns and the tried and true platforms too. So – I've gone up to agents or I've used the conversations and leveraging escrow relationships. Hey, which agent do you know that is in a place where X can work? And what I've presented as X is how many of us have past clients that we want to see retained, right? And I use the illustration that I think has been used a lot of L360, um, which we all borrow. Um, it's this conversation of like out of a thousand people. If you ask that thousand people today, how many of you would want to get pre-approved, go shopping for a home today with a realtor and lender? How many of you would say yes? Out of that thousand people with a high rate market, what are you gonna get? 15, <laughs> maybe 50. If you ask the same group, how many of you want to do that within the next five years? What are you gonna get? A higher number. 80%, right? Way higher. And so I've been using that as a conversation starter with the with the realtors to go. So what are you doing with yours? That allows you to attack that 80 to 90% instead of trying to compete for that 80, 90% when they become hot leads. And now you're having to compete with Zillow, Redfin, and all these lead aggregators. And now you're having to pay for your own past client to come back into your ecosystem. What are you doing to give them value now and help inspire them and give them an inception of more business? And one of the things I coach my realtor partners on is understanding that the best illustration I've ever heard on a good sales or consultant has been from my big fat Greek wedding. And it's come from this illustration where the mom is talking to the daughter and she's like, honey, or whatever word she said, right? I want you to know that the husband is the head, but the wife is the neck, turning him wherever she pleases, right? And so I learned at that moment, and I've used that illustration so many times ago, when we're trying to give value to our past clients. When we're trying to make sure we're creating an experience, giving this world of inspiring ideas, our world is supposed to be let's see where they're at and let's bring them subject matter that will actually be per- specific to them and applicable to them so that moves can be made. So if all that is theoretical to explain this. I go up to a realtor or I go up to the realtor that the escrow officer introduces me to. And I talk about this past client thing and I go, here's my idea. If you're willing to do it, let's have either in a virtual setting. And this is actually something I got from Leo, my uh, brother here at L360 in a virtual setting. We'll do a sit down. We'll do a zoom meeting with 15 to 20 of your past clients. We'll do a wine event where you take them wine, charcuterie boards, whatever. And I'll show up and I'll present content and I'll answer questions based on what you can do with your equity what you can do in the investment world and what you can do in regards to your personal property, either renting it out and buying a new one or selling and buying a new one. Those are the three categories we're going to focus on. So your past clients learn what to do with with what you help them gain a ton of money that is worthless until you convert it to cash.
0: So let me me ask you, I'm going to ask you to hit pause here because what I want to do is I just want to jump in. I want to consolidate and I want to summarize because you said a lot of important things there. So what, what you're doing first of all is you're asking the pain question now you may not be phrasing it as a pain question but i used to ask the question in a little bit of a different way than you i would say to a real estate agent you know have you ever had a situation where one of your um, past home buyers um, you run into them at the movies or at a ball game and you say hello to them and, and you find out that they bought another house and they didn't use you and they'll mm. be like, Oh my God. Yeah, that happens. And it pisses me off when it does. Yeah, um, me too. Fortunately, I don't have that happen to me very often. And the reason is because I've a really strong database nurturing campaign, and mm. I'd like to talk with you about helping you design one for yourself, because Beautiful. the last thing in the world that you want to have happen is that very uncomfortable situation. Again, that's a lot of money. It's a big number you you, you stick the knife in and twist it a little bit right like that's a big number that walked away from you and we can't afford that that's going to get them they all want to have that conversation okay yeah now what you're doing which is brilliant is you're leveraging your gift as a presenter which You know for those that are listening that have not been on soci's instagram page as an example you need to go check it out you need to check them out on youtube etc and you're going to see somebody who has really spent a lot of time honing his craft as a teacher and all you're doing is you're saying i want to take my gift as a teacher which he didn't come out of the womb with that gift okay everybody he didn't come out of the womb with the gift he practiced okay a lot And, and a lot we all did barry habib did ryan grant did everybody did me everybody He's taking that gift as a teacher and he's saying look let me solve your problem Mm. let's go through your database let's cherry pick your 50 most influential clients or your 30 most influential clients let's have a title company partner with us you know let's bring in charcuterie boards etc and I will be your guest teacher and I'm going to teach them things that are going to motivate them to want to buy another property or to move up or whatever and you'll get credit for it and you'll get the deal and even if they don't take action they're still going to remember you because to your point and this is the part that's so incredibly important bro is they do wait until oh now it's go time but because you have not stayed in touch with them, you haven't earned any loyalty. And that's the part Mm -hmm. that I really want people to understand is that loyalty is earned. It's not given randomly. You have to earn people's loyalty. So when when people say, oh, my clients aren't loyal, my realtors aren't loyal. No, you haven't earned the loyalty. And, And that's what you're trying to teach them to do is to earn loyalty and let me help you earn loyalty. So when it is time to buy, they feel like they really need to give you first shot because of all the things that you've done proactively for them without asking for anything in return. Sorry that I i just want to encapsulate Please, no, you said so many really brilliant things there now i while you were talking you may have seen me glancing down because i haven't been on your instagram page in a while you're at almost twenty thousand followers but what's really astonishing yeah. is you've got videos that have like 500 views bro so yeah. let's talk about that so you've got this so I, i'm glad that you created that clear distinction that yeah. The misunderstanding is is that this is the same thing as direct mail or telemarketing. It's not. This is about creating that social ecosystem that will eventually spawn through a funnel some transactions when rates drop or you know people are ready to take action, etc. But what are you doing to get five hundred thousand views? What did you do to build it up to twenty thousand followers? Because those are impressive numbers.
1: It's been tough, man. Like it's been a lot of trial and error. Um, I was trying other people's strategies and i don't really feel like i hit my genuine self till the most recent history um but it's it's both tactical and also you know just genuine (laughs) it's like both right the tactical piece is trying to learn how to hone in hooks the tactical piece is trying to learn how to hone in what you do so perfectly now, right? And and so for the record, I want to make sure everyone who's listening to the podcast today, they understand that Tim was actually like the original influencer. He was just the the original hard copy influencer, right? Like it was on paper, it was on magazines, it was all printed, right? With his rate sheets. But literally, dude, what you do, your pre-sale, the the way that you just and and I'm seeing your skill already just redone and proven over again because you're doing it again in the modern tools as you're launching loan atlas this like premature give somebody the anticipation of like oh my gosh what's going to come out next and what's this and right like that what you do so skillfully is exactly what short-term content is supposed to be it's supposed to be a small enough soundbite that cr- that provokes so much curiosity to make you listen and then brings you into the community right so uh, one of the ways to express it is you have uh, your 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 magnets um, and you have these reels that become viral, sort of say, right? And just to make sure that everyone knows even what other experience I'm talking through, I'm also partnering here at What's a Mortgage. We have, you know, north of 200 and something thousand followers, uh, you know, millions of views on videos. And for example, Christmas weekend, I took weekend coverage of communicating on our leads. I mean, we generated over 25 leads just on a weekend um off of one video. Um, and these are super well qualified leads, Tim. Like legitimately, I'm talking to these guys. What did the MLK, what did the, blah, blah, blah. give us
0: a give us you know a little info? What did the video say to generate 25 leads?
1: This one was specifically talking about a program. So this one was specifically talking about uh, a specialty program that was uh giving extra credit to people who not were moving to a new community but lived in a certain community. It's one of Rocket Mortgage's products where it's based on where you currently live and where you're moving to. Or not where you're moving to, but where you currently live and then you get X amount of credit. Um, and it's actually a really sweet program. Great pricing, waived LLPAs, modified MI, all the good perks. Uh, so that one video, but it's literally been countless. Like it's been great. And so I was watching you know, leads come in and It's really neat to see people, because I guess I should back up, right? One of the things I'll share that I think has shifted has been the fact that clients used to go to the realtor first many times, and they still do, but they used to more back then. Why? Because the realtor had what they needed, information about the house and what was available. Now, especially millennials, we've been trained so much that the irresponsible thing is to go look at the car first. It's to go look at the house first. The responsible thing is to get your budget in place first. And then in all reality, all the information that was exclusive to the Realtors MLS, now because of Redfin's and Zillow's and all these other IDXs, a lot of that information, at least 99.9% of it, or 99% except the MLS comments, is now available for the public. So for many consumers, there's no need to go down that path anymore first. What they're looking for is mortgage hacks, budgetary hacks, loan product hacks, Being able to figure out financial information they didn't know, tax strategies, real estate portfolio growth strategies, all these other components. And so with all that said, right, that's our context. These videos are popping just because we're giving the consumer the information they want from a core standpoint and what you're doing tactically is just learning how to tailor it that catches their intention because you're literally on Instagram reels. Think about it. You're interrupting somebody's day. I'm wanting to watch stupid videos that help me exit my work because I'm in the restroom and I'm trying to be here longer. So I don't have to go back to my desk. You just interrupted me with the stupid thing about interest rates. Are you worth my interruption? And if you are, guess what? I go in, I go onto your page. And now if you have other pieces that just don't magnetize me to your, to your page, to your channel, but help me interact. And I look at your other videos and I see some paragraph reels that show me quick v- value. And I see this other comes, I'm going to follow you. And then I see this other real video that think about this, Tim, and I think you'll really like the strategy on this. So many times people miss the, the, the simplicity that needs to be done for the consumer. Doing a video saying, Hey, reach out to me. My name's Ibrahim. You know, if you want more information, blah, blah, blah. That's not going to go anywhere. You can hook in a client talking about, hey, this is how you can get $5,000 for free right now from one of the biggest lenders in the country, giving it out to you based on where you live. And then you expand a little bit more. And then at the very end, you go, if you want to learn more about this, send me the word free money. Send me the words free money, right? There's something that you're doing there, especially if you put it on the screen, free money. You're having the client look at the, at the the at the words going, oh, that's one how you spell it. They go, Oh, let me just type that in. And as soon as that's done, guess what? There's no awkwardness of going, Hi, Tim, I've been following you for a long time. I'd really like to see blah, blah, blah. You're creating that barrier of entry to be broken down. There's no formality. There's no like pleasantries. It's just, Oh, I want more information about this. Boom. I I
0: think you're, I think you're bringing up such an important point that, that I have never given proper consideration to as well which is and, and that i really want everybody to take away th- this concept of you're interrupting their day mm. so yes like when i go to social media like I, i'm not on facebook but when i go to instagram which i check it once or twice a day i'm actually personally generally looking for stuff that makes me laugh like you know the funny videos you know and then i forward them to my wife and to my friends golf videos things like that When I'm scrolling through, what do I really stop at other than those types of videos? I stop at something that grabs me and is important to me, that speaks to me, right? Like otherwise I'm I'm just aborting and bypassing it. I also stop at things that catch my eye because they're different. Um, So like there's just so many posts out there, bro, that would never cause me to stop. Especially for mortgage professionals who think that I need to be on Instagram because it's the place to be. But it's almost like they're wasting their time in my in my opinion, because if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it right. And you gotta win what is a very competitive battle. And the, the battle is for people's attention. So, like, what is it that you're doing that's gonna grab people's attention is my takeaway from, from your explanation. Thank you for, for really cementing that home. And I hope everybody really got that. Keep
1: going. Yeah. And right. Grab attention, give value enough that they follow you and then give easy entry points into conversations with you because people are naturally intimidated. Right. Like, and we forget that, especially in our generation, Tim, and especially the generation after me, like I look at my younger siblings, I'm like, what the hell are you so shy about? Mm -hmm. Right. And I realized that my dad was gone by the time he, by his age of growing up, he was never forced to go and say hello and greet people. He was never pushed to be out of his comfort zone. Right. I'm not trying to pick on a sibling, but I've, I've, I've tried to become curious of why do I do what I do? And does everyone do it like me? And the majority of people are very, very shy. They're Mm -hmm. not going to be the ones that now go out of their way to reach out to somebody, especially have a lot of followers Oh, I know you like the people that do reach out to me without me making that path very easy. They, a lot of times will start with, I know you're super busy. Um, you know, I've been following you for a while. I wanted to see if you'd be willing to help me. And I'm like, man, willing, like, and, and you just, I'm waiting, I'm waiting to help you.
0: <laughs> exactly. Help. You know, and you're just like, what do I change? So, but, but here's the thing, this is such a great point, man. So like, I remember the day that I was sitting in my office and I got a phone call and the, the, person was a past client of mine. And he said, Hey, Tim, he goes, I have a question. Do you do purchase loans? I'm like, Mm. what? I go, of course, (laughs) of course I do purchase loans. And he goes, well, I I didn't know. I mean, you've done two refis for me, but, but I I mean, I I wasn't sure. And then it dawned on me. I'm like, they don't know what I do. Yep. I'm, that's bad on me for not making sure that they know that I do construction loans, construction to perm loans that I can do, you know, government loans, you know, no, no money loans, all this stuff. Okay. Same thing goes for what you're talking about. It's like, we're making a fatal mistake if we don't invite them to communicate with us. That's why that yeah. like, even like over the holidays, I don't know if you saw, I did this my team, I don't really like doing these videos, bros. The truth of the matter, I, I, am woefully uncomfortable in doing these reels. It, it, my team like asks me to do them. And sometimes they say no. And sometimes they say yes, but they said, Hey, will you do one for, for Christmas on like what your favorite christmas tradition is so i did this video in my kitchen where i was cooking all this food because i cook food for my mom every year like a ton of food and yeah. i put it in tupperwares and all that i don't know if you saw the video but then in there i was at the end i'm like so what's your favorite family tradition i'd love to hear from you write it down below yeah. i had like 15 people that like that respond to me but that's because i asked them to respond to me yeah but if i didn't say you know write it down here below i wouldn't have gotten any comments you know so that's like Pro- a it- huge takeaway that you're making here
1: Well, again, I I don't say this as a stab about like how you did everything that should be done now back then just on a different platform, right? Because you were the one that taught me, especially with your post-closing call, if you don't teach your clients how to view you moving forward, guess what? They're not going to know to view you that way. Correct. So when I finish my post-closing calls, it's, hey, so I just want to make sure you know. That now moving forward, right, you have actually become my customer now. Officially, you became my customer today. You weren't my customer two weeks ago because guess what? You didn't pay me. You paid me now. So what you've paid for, though, is a retainer in full. My retainer for advice that every time you need it in the future, whether you're looking at how to buy your parents' house because you're curious about a gift of equity, you're looking about what you do with the other house uh, because your family member is needing a downsize, you're in a position when you're wondering, should I get solar and how will it impact me in the future for the refinance that I'm looking forward to doing because of the two-one buy-down? Whenever you think of those things, Tim, know you have now paid for the service for you to call me at any time. Because now you're part of the team legacy family. And anytime you need something, being part of family, there's no longer a barrier where you're bugging me and you shouldn't bug me. This is what you want, what you entered in for. This is the promise I gave you you would have. So please know this is at full taking for you. Give me a call whenever. And you know what the outcome of that was, Tim? I got calls from clients going, hey, so see, I saw this realtor.com commercial and it reminded me about my mom's reverse mortgage. And I want to reach out to you and chat with you about that reverse mortgage. What the heck
0: right so yeah Yeah, that's a great that's a great script and i really love the retainer like you you have a retainer credit that you that's a really good choice of languaging add into that you know and i love also that you gave them examples of things that they may want to call you for add into that if add into that if i may when you need great tax advice and you don't feel like you're getting it I work with some terrific CPAs when you need an introduction to a terrific financial planner to set up your kids 529 or your retirement accounts, or to evaluate your overall investment strategy, you should call me and I will make the introduction Mm -hmm. for you. You know, you got nothing to lose by telling them, you got to guide people as to what you can do for them or else they're not going to, they're not going to put the pieces together.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. And so the same with social, right? That's where like, again, you have to create that easy access. It sounds stupid, but I remember I learned this from Neil Dingray. He goes, if you say DM me this word and you don't tell them how to spell it, there's a lot of people who spell it wrong, right? If you say, hey, reach out to me, there's people who will sit there and go, I would like to reach out. But I don't know what to say. I don't even know how to start the conversation. So feeding people little tricks of that, right? Comment the word whatever below. Right. Like when you start following people who've learned how to create a community in a socially awkward generation, right? When you start seeing what they're doing to create that social community again of comfort so they can ask questions, bro, it's game changer. Like I'm really grateful to be partnered with the top social media guy in the entire country who's generating more leads on social media than I've seen anybody else do. And when I'm talking to these clients, because I'm one of the advisors that gets to help them. Like even today, one of the guys was like, yeah, like my first loan officer didn't tell me that I can, that my, my purchase was, he told me I couldn't do the jumbo loan. So he sold me on this first and second mortgage, but I didn't really clear. I didn't really understand that the second mortgage was variable. My payment has jumped twice as much as it was when I originally bought it. And I thought I was just stuck with this and I started following, you know, men's stuff. And I started hearing him talk about things like a Helone. And I asked him because I was like, man, this guy knows his stuff and he's super genuine and he's not salesy, literally what the client told me. And he goes, so I reached out and he told me about a Helones and I want to talk to you. Right. And I took that conversation about what his initial need was. And what we ended with was adopting him as a past client, setting up an equity analysis plan for him and his wife, because they make the type of money that they need to grow real estate portfolios so they can start taking advantage of other tax strategies
0: yeah it's crazy so back to social media um how much time do you spend and how much money do you spend and what's the roi that you've been able to get so far and what's the strategy to maximize the roi going forward
1: yeah mine has been a lot of trial and error for me personally this year and i didn't spend a lot because obviously i didn't have a lot um And so I think what might be even good is to just explain where our company's at, right? Our company does have paid ads um, and, you know, expense-wise, I mean, year to date, you know, I think we've breached or not year to date, but life to date, which has been, you know, years now, right? We've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in ads to try to just build out an audience and make sure that the content is going to people uh, that can learn. And so... Um, we're at about a thousand leads a month right now at a 5% conversion rate. Um, and a lot of that has been with the process that we're fine tuning. So I'm really looking forward to six months from now, after we implement more of this like holistic process, as far as advice goes, um, I'm really curious to see what that conversion rate is going to be growing into, um, uh, on that side. Uh, what's
0: the, what's the spend to create those thousand leads a month? Do you know? Uh,
1: about 15, 15 K.
0: That's not bad. I mean, 15K, I mean, if you're making five thousand dollars, it varies month to month, but yeah. I mean, it's you're making a quarter of a million dollars and you're spending fifteen. That's that's great ROI. But to your point, but to your point, bro, and this is an important thing that I want everybody to hear, it's like it took it took a long time to perfect it. I mean, that's I mean, there's a reel that of mine that just went out, I don't know, yesterday or something. Um about this exact topic, which is that most people's marketing strategies don't work because they quit way too early. Marketing is a science. It takes perfecting. It it takes tweaking and adjusting. I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, you just, you typically don't come out of the gate and it just works right away. You know, you've got to figure out, okay, what, what are the nuances here that I need to, to adjust to? So, well, uh, and then what's the plan? Like, I mean, my goodness, you know, we're recording this in early January. I mean, we've had a nice, you know, three quarters of a percent drop in rates or something like that. Yeah. Um, We drop another 1%, you know, we get down to the, you know, fives, mid fives, something like that. All of a sudden we're, I I think we're going to see a lot of movement, right? I think some people will list their homes at five and a half percent. I think there'll be a lot of people that can refi debt consolidation and, or just people who bought in the last year and a half. What's the strategy going forward to really um, take advantage of this huge net that you have with people you know that you have their their attention
1: uh multiple uh first and foremost uh one of the ones that i think would resonate most with those listeners in this audience is even being able to create TCA's where we show the client strike rates and we identify for the client strike rates And we have HomeBot AI going out, showing them when those strike rates are getting closer so they'd anticipate it. We have the resources to be able to watch, rate watch, right? And identify when that strike rate hits. But we've already started pre-selling. We've already started educating on streamlined refis and URLs. Uh, We've already started educating on the necessity to not be in the same place that homeowners put themselves because of their decision three years ago. Three years ago, you had a bunch of people who knee-jerked a refi into a super sexy rate and no one stopped them from doing something stupid. You know how many clients I've spoken to in the last 30 days who they go, you know what the dumbest thing I did? So it was, it was refinancing into a 2.75 rate in a house that I only wanted to live in for another two years instead of selling and buying my 10 year house. So I could have a 2.75 interest rate on that house, right? Like this is going to be another opportunity for people to, resist just knee jerking and trying to refinance because whatever reasons um even if it's just debt consolidation reasons this is the opportunity to do equity analysis plans and help people learn how to transition into the home that's going to be better for their current scenario but even even more is going to be better for their long long term scenario um, so those are the ways that we're doing it we're building out referral partners all throughout the country uh our partnership with our with our different lenders as well just trying to make sure that we can build out the brand um you know we came here to this company west capital lending and we found a great partnership here because of the synergy and going national and so everything for us right now is just growing all across the country as much as we can especially um in these states that get overlooked so uh, just like everyone else who owns a mortgage company, who want to take over the world. Um, but, you know, for us, we're trying to do it through the direct consumer place of building that community around it.
0: Right on, man. Um, as we as we start to wind this down, anything that you would like to share that I didn't ask you? <clears throat> you think would be valuable?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> and I think you did ask me, but maybe we just didn't go deep enough on it. Um, I can't help but share. right? And, and it's so funny, because when people look at me. You know, two of the things that I've been told that gets viewed very quickly is my work ethic um, and my confidence. Um, which is funny because when I look at myself, two things I I tell myself the most, or I hear a voice tell me, is I'm lazy, and I'm not able to. Um, and this year those voices got really loud. Um, you know, this year especially when income change. You know, dude, I had demons pop up on my shoulder. That if I didn't have brothers like Chris Ledley to help me just think through it better, I would have gone into really dark places. Um, you know, I had demons popping up where I was nowhere near in any, you know, place of like, oh my gosh, I can't make my mortgage payment, right? But as soon as my income got impacted because of the change in volume, because the partners I had weren't bringing in deals, whatever reason, right? Like my whole world shifted. I remember I had voices telling me, like, Shoshi, you knew you were always living this fake life. You knew that you would lose your houses just like your family did before you. You knew that you were going to have to file bankruptcy at some point in your life because that's what you saw a family do. You know, and it's just like, it's just crazy to see this year be a year where demons came out, these aspects of self doubt came out, and Trusting in what you know to be the truth even when you don't feel it to be is really the way to go, right? Like you have to believe in what you know to be true, especially when you don't feel it is. Um, It's been a really good year being able to grow in that way Uh, because aside from these things that get me excited of what's being innovated and what we're trying to do, aside from these things that I see you doing with brothers of mine, just being able to build out educational platforms that it's gonna affect affect the entire country, and assimilate data that will change generations. You know, aside from those things, what I experienced this year was generational curses that carry with people and um, opportunities to try to break them as you persevere with discipline, faith and, you know, good friends coming alongside you to keep pushing you through.
0: Mm. Thank you for your vulnerability and for sharing that. You know, uh, back a couple of weeks ago, Josh Metal and and my wife, Liz, and my son, Trey, and I hosted a call for the L360 community on, um, our debrief of our experience of going to the seven day Dr. Joe Cancun retreat in early December. And on that call, um, you know, each of us were sharing our experience of having been there. And when it was Trey's turn, Trey's my son, as you know, um, one of the things that he shared was he said, you know, my mom used to always say to me when I was in high school, you are not your thoughts. And Mm. I never really understood, he said, you know, what that really meant. And it always, it always used to like piss me off a little bit. Like, what is she even talking about? And it was at that event, he had a gigantic event and um, Mm. it was a huge week for him and It was at that event that he was able to have an experience that i've had before many times which is getting distance from your thoughts literally becoming the observer of them and having the awareness that you are not them so you're seeing the thoughts you're hearing the thoughts but you're also simultaneously aware of the fact that you who you really are is just watching those thoughts but you're not them and this may sound very abstract to those of you that are listening but it is the benefit And beauty one of the many benefits and beauties that meditation can give us is this separation from that tape that is an old story that's playing in our head that we feel like we need to fulfill and that's controlling us um and i'm really happy to hear that you were able to turn the volume down on them you know because they can be loud for all of us me included um what what did you what did you do with those thoughts to get through it you mentioned talking to ledley what what in particular were some of the things that like helped you because i'm sure some of the people listening can say yeah that's me like i've had a lot of those self-deprecating thoughts those self-sabotaging thoughts etc
1: i think uh the best way to answer that is by going back to what we started this conversation with in that backyard conversation right at that backyard conversation one of the biggest encouragements was you're about to go and till some soil, right? You're about to go and plant some seed and you're going to water and you're going to nurture. And so see Eric Bible. When this turns, you're going to see a massive fucking harvest. (laughs) Right. And so I've trusted that the harvest isn't there yet, but I, I see it sprouting, bro. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, these guys are right. Yeah. it's Springtime Uh, right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, to answer the question of like what did i do it wasn't what i did in the moment it's what i invested into the whole 12 14 months before right because what chris reminded me of is he reminded me of a book that you made me read 12 14 months before called um the big leap and i remember i'm reading this book and i'm hearing about how people have these upper limiting beliefs and as i'm reading i'm going this is stupid people really struggle with this crap like i mean cool for them but I don't know how this applies really. Like, I don't know how to, I know this intellectually, but I don't know this experientially. And then at that moment, he goes, he actually shared with me, he had the same thought and he goes, this is your moment. I was like, I can make these voices quieter because I could now have, because I did the work to nurture myself on self-awareness and self-growth. Because I laid that foundation, now what I'm seeing the fruit of is being able to look at this voice and go, that's an upper limiting belief voice. That's not a true voice. That's a different story than the real story of myself. That's a story being told to myself. And so, yeah, man, to answer your question, it's I spent time to develop under very wise people and I kept myself in an environment where that those people who speak the same language in the moments of need can help me identify truth for what it was. And i can navigate through it
0: beautiful i'm glad you had his support and for those of you that don't have familiarity with upper limit beliefs or the big leap um, i interviewed gay hendrix the author uh, or i had a conversation with him so in my good. podcast yeah it's a great episode so you can yeah. go back um into early 2023 to have access to the gay hendrix episode and i highly recommend people listen to associate Thank you so much, brother, for your time today, for your teaching. I took tons of notes. I'm looking forward to uh, the people in the L360 community celebrating you when they listen to this episode. I know that they're going to they're going to find it to be incredibly valuable. And uh, may 2024 be your best year yet, brother.
1: Amen. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate you, bro. I
0: appreciate you, too. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. And we'll talk to you again in two weeks.